This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer Squad, and we have another hit to the finances of people on fixed incomes. As you heard in Bob's News, Canada's food price report for 2023, which predicts we will be faced with a 5 to 7 percent food price increase for the year. And the categories predicted to be hardest hit are vegetables, meat and dairy, all the things we need to stay healthy. Meanwhile, grocery executives are appearing on Parliament Hill today trying to convince politicians that greedflation is not a thing. So what do Zoomers believe? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now let's go to Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, David Kravitz, Chief Membership Officer at CARP, and Bill Van Gorder, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Policy Officer at CARP. Hey, guys. Hi, Libby. Hi, Hi Libby. Well, uh, David, you have drilled down on more numbers in that food price report on how it is going to affect some older people. Well, I think I'm, I've tried to find out how many people are really poor or poverty stricken and less able. It's one thing to say it affects all of us, but some of us can move money around, buy a little less here, buy a little more there. But in Ontario, there are two million seniors age 65 plus 2 million in Ontario with a household income of $40,000 or less. And that's serious. And in Toronto, it's about a quarter of a million people. So these people and, and of these of this group, um, 300,000, like more than this group, spend less than $100 a week on groceries. And um, 200,000 state that they are overwhelmed by financial burdens. So even if you wanted to say that Zoomers as a whole are going to be affected unevenly, which of course they are, some it'll matter more than others, the group that is really in serious trouble with such increases is very large. And I think we have to really focus on just how big a number that is and what can we do to help them. Well, when you say households, uh, do we have any idea how many people are those? Are those single person households, uh, couple households? Well, I could find. I, I did a blend. It's like the total money coming into the household from whether it's one person or two. Um, but I think you'd agree that forty thousand in Toronto is serious. Is very uh, difficult. Yeah. And uh, here we're talking about uh, uh, two hundred thousand people. Uh, two hundred thousand people over the age of sixty five. I e less income coming in. Maybe they're all fixed income. Maybe a a very significant number are bound to be fixed income. So they don't have the ability to necessarily go out and earn more. And they don't have the discretionary income if only 40,000 is coming in to really move the pieces around very much. So they they are in, in real trouble here. Bill, uh, talking to about people who are in real trouble, I mean, we keep hearing certain kinds of advice uh, about, you know, how to have healthy meals cheaper. Uh, You know, is that good enough? No, it really isn't uh, good enough. And, and, you know, the the advice is certainly there, you know, uh, buy vegetables, stock up on on things you you need, buy buy in bulk. But if you're on the kind of limited incomes that David is talking about, that really doesn't uh, help at all. These people need support. They're often the same people who have difficulty in accessing uh, health uh, assistance and, and have health uh, issues, so they're, they're even more at risk when they, they can't even begin to eat uh, properly. Peter? Yeah, and, and it's not like they can you know, get around and shop for deals and go to Costco and stuff like that. Like it's, it's, they're not mobile. They're not, 
you know, connected to these food apps or anything where you can you can find deals all over town. And they're they're sort of forced to buy from their local grocer who uh, may or may not have the um, best deals in town. So uh, it, it's it's a very very difficult situation uh, coming up this this year. And there there is some hope that by the end of the year prices will start going back, but uh, it's going to be a rough uh, a rough few months, I think. The other thing that strikes me, I mean, one uh, good way to save money and eat healthy is is to cook your own food from scratch. But a lot of people who have a lot of issues, uh, they're probably their ability to cook is also limited. I think that's true. It's very it's very impaired. And a lot of um, maybe it's paradoxical, but a lot of the kind of prepared meal services that are coming onto the market where they'll ship you the ingredients and the recipes uh, so you can do your cooking are at the high end of the price structure. So they're they're seen as, you know, convenience um, bundles or packages for maybe more affluent people. So, you know, to Peter's point, they got to go out and get the stuff. They got to buy it in bulk. They've got to bring it home. They've got to cook it. Uh, they are they are doing that, but I think more of them are probably um, relying on you know whether it's uh, you know potatoes or pasta or you know less nutritious stuff, and uh, in some cases having to choose between other desperately needed household expenses, which is uh, and we're, but just to put it in context, there's a million people in Toronto over the age of sixty five so we're talking about twenty five percent of those people in real serious trouble uh, Bill? Now, one, of, one of the things that uh, this of course will create and we know it's happening already is an increased dependence on the food banks more and more people going to to uh, food banks uh, uh, parts of our demographic that uh, uh, were often uh, felt uh, I guess so too proud to go before our attending food banks now. And one of the things that we need to see happening is more of the food uh, wastage, the extra food, the food from the farms that doesn't get to market, uh, somehow find a way to get that to to uh, food banks. And uh, uh, there are some organizations that are, that are doing that now, like uh, Second Harvest, uh, uh, but governments need to step in uh, more and make sure that uh, uh, rather than uh, food waste, we have that food going to the people who, who really need it. And food banks, unfortunately, seem to be the only path of that for the moment. Well, that's right. We have record use of food banks. One of the, the scariest aspects of that is that a, a, a lot of the new users of food banks actually are working. They have jobs. Mm-hmm. And they still need the food banks. And, um, yeah, we have a, a growing food waste problem and most of the food waste is from the farm it's it's not what you and i waste though uh, lord knows you and i probably waste enough peter yeah um also like i i was i was reading in this report the in the uh you know the the food price report um that uh you know retailers are are putting produce on their shelves that, that is near the end of expiry date. So when, when you buy a head of lettuce or uh, broccoli, what, what you think is a good price, you take it home and it's it's virtually gone and we're throwing it out. So this is all this is all contributing to um, food waste and, uh, you know, the difficulty in getting fresh food at an affordable price. I, I, I have to tell you, um, I still like to shop in person and I uh, I examine everything carefully. And you know what? When I don't, I get a nasty surprise. And I will not stand for it. I will take stuff back or call them and demand my money back, you know, even if it's a hassle, uh, because I want them to do better. I mean, uh, even on box goods, I mean... uh, you know, when I go to Loblaws, which isn't that often, I come back with some bad stuff almost every time. And it's mm-hmm. the one thing I didn't check. Like you buy a box of granola. Do you think to check? No. And then I I <clears throat> open it and it's like, why is this stale? And then underneath the box, oh, it it's, it's expired. Expired. expired and why was it on the shelf? 
And, you know, did they think I wouldn't bother? Huh, wrong. But, but you know what, I, I imagine the majority of people, including myself, probably wouldn't bother. They'd get mad and then they'd just sort of let it slide. But but your principle is a good one, I think, you know. Well, if it's my husband, he wouldn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's, it's partly a gender thing, but yeah. No, uh, but I, I mean, th- if more people did that, I, I think it would it would sort of shake things up a bit in, on the store shelves, you know. And I mean, we heard, for instance, that romaine lettuce is really high, and uh, you know, sometimes they sell these romaine hearts. The last time I saw them, they were eight bucks mm-hmm. for three romaine hearts, and you better make sure that most of those romaine hearts are not brown. That's true. You you have to be on the lookout for sure. But yeah. now think of the people who who can't do that. Yeah. Let's say don't have that purchasing power, don't have those options. Exactly. Maybe getting the Romaine Hearts in the first place was a major expedition that can't lightly be repeated. Now throw in the imminent arrival of snow. Now throw in high costs for heating and energy as we face the winter. So when I say these people are in trouble... It's, I mean, it's serious, and you have to hope that enough of them have family and friends or children yeah. or, or loved ones that can step into the uh, into the breach and give that. I, I suspect a lot of the assistance is coming from those that are fortunate enough to have families that can pitch in. Yeah, um, and uh, is there a role for I don't know, Bill, government? I mean, we look to the government for so much well, these days. Uh, yeah, you know, we. We do, you know, but more and more we're we're finding, uh, as as uh, David pointed out from statistics, how many of our seniors are are living at a very low, um, they call it a low income level. Now we used to call it the poverty line. I think probably poverty is a a better way to uh, uh, describe it. That you know, a few years ago, a lot of us looked askance at the idea of a guaranteed uh, minimum income, a guaranteed minimum uh, wage so that people didn't have to suffer in this way. And, and uh, uh, with, uh, with basics like food now being under this kind of uh, pressure, some of us are becoming more open to the idea of this kind of, uh, of support of uh, everybody in the community, but, but especially the uh, seniors who have no opportunity to get more income than they're getting uh, now. Many of these people who are living at 40000 and and below are not able to work at all or work anymore, have any more income, and they, they need that kind of, uh, they need that kind of support. Okay, I'm going to take a call from Helen in Toronto. Hello, Helen. Hi, Libby. I've been hitting both Metro and Superstore and telling them that they've got to put more food out rather than to the garbage to a place where they can be used. Stews can be made out of bruised food and uh, all the other things that we, uh, who, were born, who were brought up by uh, European parents, uh, have learned to do. The other thing is, when you talked about best before date, I've gone into several of the big-name stores, walked along the aisle and picked out all the ones that are not within time period and brought the person for that department over and said, like, what are you doing, guys? So, yeah, you're right. You've got to check everything. Food shopping takes forever. (laughs) Yeah, uh, exactly. Food shopping takes forever. That's that's, That's a good statement. (laughs) That's another thing my husband doesn't like. It's like if I'm writing the list and it's his turn to come. No, I don't want the longest list. Uh, (laughs) It cuts off there. Um, Yeah, you have to be really careful. And I don't know if they've got labor issues or whatever it is, but it's, it's just difficult. Let's hear from Margaret in Toronto. Hello, Margaret. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? I'm doing okay, thank you. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, maybe in the near future we could all play a role. You know, those um, places where they have concerts and hockey games and such could be fitted with food bank boxes. And maybe everyone that comes could bring one item, you know, like a, pair, like a, like a, a can of food or a box of craft dinner or something. I know it's not the best solution, but maybe we need to look at starting to help each other out there. 
Well, I think a lot of places, frankly, already do. And, oh. um, th- yeah, they do. Their food bank, uh, their food bank boxes everywhere. And, and the only ones that irritate me are the ones <laughs> in the big grocery stores, because then the big grocery stores get credit for the donations that you've made. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh, well, uh, thank you very much. Have okay. a good afternoon. Bye bye. Yeah. Um, all of that. And uh, I was going to say it's it's also food banks can use cash donations because sure then, you know, uh, you might think that that your can of tuna or chickpeas is the best thing, but it might not be what they need. And they've also branched into the fresh food. Mm. OK, let us go to Tina in Woodbridge. Hi, Tina. Hi, how are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I just wanted to comment. I'm a single person. I am 65, and I can't buy in bulk. Yeah, exactly. For me to buy, like, three romaine lettuces for eight and change, which is ridiculous. Yes. Um, I can't store it that long. Yeah. And like you said, you get it, and it's, and it's half dead by the time you've got it. Well, that's that's a whole other thing, and thank you for pointing that out, Tina. And, Thank you very much for taking my call. Okay. Uh, and there are some things that they now package up. Like, uh, even if there's two of you in my household, there's two of us. And one of the things that I like to buy are these kind of mini cucumbers. Sure. Well, you used to be able to buy them singly. Well, now they're all packaged up. Uh, and there's either six of them six or of them. a whole bag. Yep. Well, uh, we buy them because I like them, but it's rare to use up six before a couple go bad. For sure. Yeah, you know, Libby, that's one of the uh, biggest complaints that uh, we get from our members at CARP is the is the uh, three for or two for priced uh, items for people who only want one are being penalized and have to pay more uh, because they're only buying uh, buying one. And there seems to be no good economic reason uh, uh, for for that, especially when prices are, are going up. They'd rather see the, the price go up a couple of uh, pennies rather than uh, 10, 15 or or 50 cents and be able to buy one at a time because otherwise, as you say, it's strictly waste. Well, yeah, it is. And, and, uh, I don't know. I suppose that, I mean, they're absolutely right. I find that I can live with it, you know, if it's. But the, the, the caller made a good point, though, that a high percentage of these people are either couples with no children in the household or single people. Yeah. So the need for large quantities, let's say bulk, uh, particularly of perishables. Yeah is just not there. So they're either compelled to spend way more. Now, it's one thing to spend way more if it's an item that can last through the season or yeah. for several weeks. I buy way more than I need, but I can use it up over time. I'll be fine. But if it's if it's a perishable and you're compelling me to buy more than I can, can consume, uh, it's very unfair and it's very burdensome. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let us... Take a call from Natalie in Mississauga. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Libby. How's it going? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Just a quick question today. Is this food crisis just Ontario or all across Canada? All across Canada. Whoa, whoa. Okay, and I'm I'm also with you on the romaine lettuce. Half <laughs> dead, even reviving it with water, it, it's very hard to find something fresh. Thank you. Yeah. I actually saw some good-looking uh, romaine lettuces um, uh, that were, you know, not not the packaged-up romaine hearts. I saw some good-looking ones the other day. I did not buy them, uh, but there you go. I did see some. I did not ask the price. Uh, let's take a call from Jim in Toronto. Hi, Jim. Hey, how you doing? No, I was listening to the show, and I, you were saying, Libby, that there's things in bulk, like three mini cucumbers in a pack and that. Well, just to call and give advice, like uh, just make two recipes. Make some soup or something and freeze it. And then, you you, you know, you don't waste your food, right? 
Well, so. cu- cucumber soup, like there's cold cucumber soup well, whatever. in the summer, but it's jump not. On. I'm just making a general point. I'm saying whatever it is, whatever yeah. it is, I'm making a very general point. Okay, not thanks, Jim, for that. Yeah, I mean, that that's an option, but with a lot of the fresh vegetables, there, you know, there are a lot of vegetables that you don't cook. Usually you don't cook romaine lettuce or cucumbers. It's true. <laughs> but the, the caller and, and the caller before uh, are raising a good point is, is we've kind of gone away from that, you know, the stews and the casseroles and the kind of like, you know, the the, the, the foods where you kind of just throw everything in there and, and uh, you know, th- that's going off. And, and, and that kind of, uh, you know, it, it, it's often European or it's, it's sort of, um, you know, depression era here. But it, it may come back. We may see the return of those kinds of foods and, and less foodie-oriented uh, meals and more sort of, you know, uh, price-oriented meals. Well, you know what? I I do that. Uh, and, um, yeah, but it's still, right? It takes information. It takes work. And in the case of some of the, quote-unquote, elderly who may be frail, yeah. it takes a supporting cast, whether it's family or friends or case in-home healthcare workers, whatever it is, somebody to work out that strategy of shopping by week or by two week, freezing, who cooks it, who freezes it, who brings it into the house. It's a complicated, it can be done, but it's not that easy. It takes a village, as they say. Well, it does in this case, I'm afraid. Okay. Uh, boy, the uh, people are really responding to this. And by the way, people, stick on the line because after the squad, I'm going to be talking to one of the authors of that food price report to get some more details on it. But right now, let's go to Sophie in Hamilton. Hello, Sophie. Yes. Good morning, Libby. Good morning, guests. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Thank you. I want to talk about our green belt and what we're doing. We're talking about food here. We don't have the, the, the food and the prices that we need to survive and to be healthy. Uh, we can't kill that. Canada has excellent uh, green belt, excellent food. We are hardworking people. We are proud of our country and we are helping someone else's economy instead of our own by buying. People don't seem to realize that if we're paying $9 for uh, romaine and $5 for a small little head of lettuce, in time, we're going to be like a third world country. We're going to be paying 15 and $20 if we lose our green belt. People are starving all over the world because of food, because of clean water, and we are killing it. So... Canada, wake up, please. Where you're standing, where I'm standing, it used to be forest at one time. If they want to build something, and not to million-dollar homes, I'm talking about factories, I'm talking about Canada being self-sufficient because our work as Canadians is excellent. Okay. Our food is excellent. Comparing Thanks, Sophie. Comparing the strawberries between the states. Thank you. There's a lot of opposition to uh, uh, Doug Ford uh, allowing development on part of the Greenbelt. A lot of opposition to that. And and the rationale behind some of it is that uh, it's farmland, though not all of it is. Let's go to Manuel in Brampton, or Manuel. Hello. Hi, man. My name is Manuel, uh, and I'm concerned about this... Uh, you know the cost, the cost of living. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, and uh, you know, like for the, especially for the seniors, you know, like uh, you know, like all they got it's all uh, uh, pension and CPP, and uh, and some some of them they really have to buy their own pills because they're not covered. And uh, in the situation in Canada, the way it is, why he gonna keep uh, this immigration coming? Manuel, Manuel, I think you have your radio going because there's a lot of noise on the line. 
you have to turn your radio off, but uh, in the meantime, I'm going to say goodbye to you and thanks for your call. And boy, we had uh, a couple of other topics lined up <laughs> yes. for today, but uh, yeah, it is... Vox Populi. <laughs> Vox Populi, and, and I don't blame people. And as no. I say, people out there, after we finish with the squad, we are going to talk to Simon, Simon Simoji, who is one of the authors of the report. So we'll try to drill down on exactly what is going up and maybe some strategies on, on how to get around that. Uh, but let's go around the virtual and the... <laughs> Real table here uh, and wrap things up, starting with Peter. Well, um, I'm going to be listening into your second half of the show because uh, I want to hear what's causing the inflation and whether it's going to end in, uh, sometime soon. Because uh, as we know from all the callers we got today, it's, it's a huge area of concern for our group. And, uh, you know, we, we need the lowdown on it. Okay, Bill. One item that I forgot to mention when we were talking about the two-for-one and three-for-one and package deals is a lot of families and even neighbors now are shopping together and then splitting splitting the costs and splitting those things when they're shopping. Once again, as David says, it takes organization, but it is something you can do to stretch your dollar further. Yeah. David. And in response to an earlier caller who had talked about food banks, which already exist, I would encourage all the listeners to be aware of individuals who may be struggling with this, who may be in trouble with this, and who may need help, whether from you, the listener, whether from a, a church or a food bank or an organization, that maybe you could uh, put them in touch with these people who who have the need so that they're not left in isolation fending for themselves. I think we can we can't solve it, but we can move toward relieving it for many people if we just you know keep our eyes open and say who needs the help? Do they have a network and could we do anything to activate such a network? Okay. Thank you so much to our Zoomer squad. We will talk again soon. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Dr. Simon Samoji, who is one of the authors of this report. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. As we have been discussing, we should expect food prices to spike even more next year. Now, inflation is supposedly easing, and many people are expecting a recession. So what is behind these increases, and where will we see them most? Now, I'm joined by Dr. Simon Samoji, the Aral Chair in the Business of Food and full professor at the University of Guelph. Dr. Samoji, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Libby. Well, uh, this is a, a really eye-opening report, to say the least. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for the last long while, we've been talking about uh, bottlenecks in the supply chain. But in your view, what is the reason behind most of these coming price hikes? Well, we've seen a record price increases for 2020, 20, sorry, 2022, the highest in over 40 years. And we had a, we were predicting a 5 to 7% increase for 2022, and we ended up just over 10%. And while the, the high rate of inflation is impacting food prices, what's compounding that is the war in Ukraine, where, which has inflated fuel prices, uh, grain prices, animal feed prices, uh, fertilizer prices, and that's really pushing it past that 7% up to 10%. We've also seen issues in, in droughts and uh, bacterial contaminations in the USA, particularly in California, and that's how that's impacted uh, fruit and vegetable prices. But we've also seen the Canadian dollar drop against the US dollar. Uh, it was about 80 cents early this year. It dropped down to 71. It's about 74 at the moment. Uh, and that makes imports a lot more expensive. So all these factors are coming together to push food prices higher. For 2023, we're predicting a 5 to 7% increase. I think that will be felt mostly at the start of the year. 
with the potential for food prices to decrease towards uh, the end of next year. Um, I heard something about uh, that one of the things that should be investigated is the impact of a carbon tax on food prices. Do you agree with that? Yeah, the the carbon tax has had a a lot of critics. There's a lot of people for it and against it. Uh, The the cost per tonne of greenhouse gas emissions um, is going to increase by about $15 per year per tonne. with the current government, current federal government saying it will increase to $170 a ton. So that puts, if it gets to that uh, $170 range, that's going to put a, a bit of pressure on, on, on farms in particular. And, um, our analysis has shown that if you have a, a 5,000 acre farm with a carbon tax of $170 per ton, it could increase the, a tax to almost $150,000 for that farm, which is, which is quite a bit. So the carbon tax is having a bit of an impact. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, and uh, let's go to some of the items. So the biggest increase that you are citing is in vegetables. And, and why are they affected the most? Yeah, we've predicted a 6 to 8% increase for vegetables next year. And I think most of that increase is going to come from uh, a limited supply that we're going to, uh, sorry, a less supply we're going to see from the US uh, and going into the coming part of the year, particularly as we have to import most of our vegetables at that time. I think once we get to the Canadian season, we should see that drop down a little bit. Um, we're thinking the Canadian dollar probably won't be as strong against the US dollar as it was earlier this year, so that might have an impact. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's not looking good for, for fruits and vegetables at the beginning of the year, but I think things will calm down towards the middle and end. And why are we getting less supply from the U.S.? Well, they've had issues with uh, drought conditions, particularly in the Salinas Valley, where we get a lot of our vegetables from, uh, and that's just reduced supply. Uh, they've also had labour issues and higher labour cost issues. Uh, as well. And recently we've seen issues with lettuce and there's been a bacterial contamination, particularly in that area. And uh, that has pushed up the price of lettuce as well. Uh, so those are the general issues at play. Well, we've had quite a number of callers talking about the price of lettuce. Is there a reason that you see we seem to be hearing more and seeing more uh, of these contamination issues lately. Uh, is there a reason for that that you can point to? Yeah, the, the, the issue sort of stems from or connected to uh, droughts as well. And the U.S. has had an issue with a particular type of bacterial contamination for the last few years, and they've struggled to get a full hand on it, particularly for, this is really for leafy greens. Uh, of which romaine lettuce is probably one of the bigger ones. Uh, that problem will start to shift as we start seeing more leafy green uh, imports from Arizona and particularly the area of Yuma. Uh, so there's some good news on the horizon, uh, but, it is, but it is an issue. It it's, um, it's really comes down to the, the, the impacts and effects of droughts and other climate events as well. What about Mexico? Mexico, we get a lot of our fruit from uh, and some of our vegetables. We have less of an issue there than we do from California. It is a little bit further further away, um, but it is a major supplier to to Canada. Mm-hmm. But they don't. But they don't do leafy greens. Uh, not as much to the the uh, to Canadian market as say the U.S. market does to our to our market. Okay, uh, I'm looking at some of the other bigger increases, uh, meat, like we've already seen big increases in the price of meat and now another 5 to 7%. Yeah, we've, we've actually seen meat prices stabilize a bit in 2022. At the mid to end of 2021, we had significant issues with meat prices skyrocketing. A lot of that had to do with issues around labor and uh, slowdowns in meat processing facilities. In fact, we've sort of seen beef and chicken drop a little bit from that one to two percent. Um, well, drop almost in a little one to two percent range since the start of this year, which is which is good. Uh, I think the five to seven percent 
uh, prediction for 2023 for meat, I think will be a similar situation to vegetables. We felt earlier on in the year, uh, but then come to uh, stabilise towards the middle and end. Uh, do you and uh, do you have any advice for people just trying to cope with this? Yeah, it's it's not good news on top of what we're seeing already with with skyrocketing rental prices and, and and fuel prices and just the general cost of living being so high. And food is one of those things that we have to have. We have to eat. And I think there's ways of being or stretching your dollar further. And I think. A lot of that comes down to being a smart shopper. Uh, and the first thing I'd suggest is, you know, we, I love going out to restaurants, but restaurant food is expensive. So trying to make more and cook more at home is good. Uh, do, do your research before you go to the grocery store. Look at the flyers. Look online to see whether there are specials. And if there are specials and you've got space in your freezer or, or, or if you can invest in a chest freezer, that, that's really good that you can buy up and then freeze what you don't uh, use. And uh, therefore, you know, you're buying at the right price. And you're also typically not, if you're not eating it, you're not wasting it because it's been frozen. And, you know, wasting food is just throwing away money. And the last advice I'd say is, you know, for fre- fresh fruits and vegetables are nice, but they're also very expensive. So, you know, look at the frozen food aisle when you've got things like parrots, carrots, peas, corn, broccoli, different types of berries. Uh, they may not look or taste as good as the fresh, but they're a lot cheaper and they can be more nutritious. And when it does come to fresh, the, we've had one fresh fruit vegetable. Sorry, start that again. We had one fresh fruit that has actually stabilised in price. And actually, its price increase has been lower than the rate of inflation. That's bananas, and bananas have been oversupplied. And you know, for a couple of dollars, you get quite a lot of bananas. So um, always, I always say bananas are really good for you. So they're the best fresh foods you can buy. I, ha- I have almost an entire freezer full of bananas <clears throat> that have gone bad or going bad. Uh, you know, uh, I could probably make banana bread for the whole neighborhood <laughs> when I get around to it. One of the things, just before we go, uh, we were discussing this in our previous segment, and one of the things that a lot of older people are really annoyed about, uh, and others the same, that if you're in a one or two person household and you want to buy fresh fruits and vegetables, some of it is packaged in sizes that are more than you can eat before it goes bad. And, you know, I don't want to freeze my cucumbers. Yeah, some products just aren't going to work with, with being frozen. I mean, you can't freeze lettuce or, as you said, cucumbers. And a, a lot of the grocery stores, you know, they, they design their displays for the majority of their customers, which are typically families uh, and obviously will eat more and they can package more. Um, it, it's a balance for them for being able to put um, open, what they call open bins, where you can select the tomatoes or or broccoli or whatever it may you may need. Um, so it, it, it is tricky to get some of those items that are smaller in size. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not a one size fits all approach. But trying to see where you can buy fresh and freeze, or you know buy when it's on special and you only use what you need is is something that uh, that can help. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Simon Simoji from the University of Guelph. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Okay, and before we go to break, uh, Ellen in Aurelia has been waiting very patiently to talk about expensive lettuce. Ellen, please go ahead. Hi, Libby. Thank Hi. you. I just wanted to make a comment. Not only is the cost of this romaine absolutely ridiculous, but I believe they've changed our product. I don't know if anybody notices this. My family loves soggy Caesar salad. I cannot, it won't go soggy anymore. I believe it is plastic lettuce. <laughs> and I've stopped buying it because, seriously, it will not absorb uh, the dressing like it used to. So I don't know if that's a shipping problem, that they're putting more preservatives in it now. But I believe that new romaine they're trying to sell us for $8 is plastic. And if you try and let your, your salad go soggy, it won't. So I don't know what they're feeding us either. Well, um, well I, personally, I, I do not like soggy salad. So well, a lot of people don't, and that's why I don't think they know they're eating plastic. <laughs> okay, well, 
Ellen, thanks for that. Worth yeah. waiting for. Yeah, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We have got to take a break, and uh, we're switching to a different topic. Last week, the Law Society of Ontario approved limited uh, increase in the scope of practice for paralegals for family law, and that's because most people uh, represent themselves in family law cases, divorce, custody, whatever, just because they can't afford a lawyer. It's very limited. And we will be talking about that when we come back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. It's a start. That is the way some paralegals are describing a change that will allow them to provide some family legal services through a new license. Eventually, paralegals will be able to help clients file deadlines and complete applications for simple joint and uncontested divorces. The proposal was originally recommended in a 2017 report to help address access to justice in family court. Uh, because the majority of litigants are now self-represented, <clears throat> excuse me, simply because they cannot afford a lawyer. According to some estimates, it's 80% of people in the Toronto area represent themselves because they can't afford a lawyer, and it's a complicated thing. So the version that was approved last week is narrower than the earlier proposal for the license, which would have allowed paralegals to represent clients in court for divorces, child support, and spousal support, and to draft separation agreements. Uh, it was dropped before a vote at the Law Society of Ontario because lawyers opposed it. Now, let me give you the numbers. I'd like to hear from you. If you've gone through a divorce, going through a divorce, uh, um, what about the issue of family lawyers and uh, having to represent yourself if you fall through the cracks. A lot of middle-class people there um, earn too much to get support, but not enough uh, to pay legal bills or to keep paying legal bills for as long as the thing continues. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by David Tobin, who is a lawyer with Frankel Tobin. Hi, David. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm fine. So uh, what do you make of this very limited license for paralegals to help people navigate the process? Well, I will say I am against it uh, mostly because I don't know if it really addresses the real issue. And as you kind of said at the outset, the Law Society of Ontario has approved a mandate which really allows or, or... simply allows paralegals to address certain issues like an uncontested or a simple divorce or a domestic contract. Now, do I think that those discrete and particular tasks are, are too difficult for paralegals? Of, of course not. I don't. But uh, in family law, context is everything. And I think there are many other issues at play when, let's say, a divorce order is issued. Right? It starts the clock on a limitation period for equalization of uh, net family property, and if all the property issues uh, are not properly identified, then it can have very significant consequences. So, so in that way, I'm I'm uh, not supportive of it. But I also think it's really uh, just the uh, thin edge of the wedge, so to speak. As you as you mentioned, um, some paralegal said, "Well, this is what we have now," but again. I think is we're going down the wrong road if that's how we're going to address the access to justice issue, which I think most family lawyers would agree uh, exists. I think the question should be is how does this particular mandate help um, help the access to justice issue more than, let's say, expanding funding for legal aid or, or changing the qualification for legal aid? And I think that would do a lot more. Well, I mean, there are so many 
competing asks for public money, uh, and we have a huge court backlog to begin with. Uh, but, I mean, I guess the argument is, you know, sure, it would be great to have a really good family lawyer on your side. However, if people uh, just can't afford it and they're going to have nothing, doesn't it make sense uh, for them to get help from a paralegal? I think that's that's a a way of looking at it, but I don't think it looks at the whole issue. And I think what it does is take the focus off the real issue. And I and I think um, the real issue for many years is a lack of priority or funding for legal aid, a lack of funding for uh, the unified family court system, and appointing more family trained judges. To me. That is a much better way to to help access to justice and help. Right, but if it's not happening and mm-hmm. there's no indication that it's going to happen, if it's not happening, what what, what then do you do? Well, I, I think you know what then do you do? I, that's a good question. I think someone smarter than me might be able to answer it, but I don't think this does that. I don't think that helps the way that. Um, you know, family lawyers, paralegals, and, and family court professionals want to help. I, I don't think you will actually improve access to justice. I think what it kind of ignores is that, well, it says, okay, if you don't earn a lot of money, possibly your family law matter is not that complex. And, and anecdotally, that's not how uh, what I see, and that's, that's not my experience. And so what you can have is someone who has less training addressing a, an issue um, that there's no less complex uh, than in any other family law issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but isn't it helpful? I mean, the, what they're talking about here is navigation, that if you end up having to represent yourself, even this idea of like when you have to file stuff and, and deadlines can be very difficult if you aren't on top of it. Isn't that at all helpful? If parties have access to understanding the process and the deadlines, certainly that would be helpful. I mean, I think the mandate goes beyond that. Um, there are family law clinics in most, if not all, courthouses in Ontario that that provide that information to help you navigate that system. So I'm not sure uh, it is necessary to, to expand who can provide that information, but certainly more clients who have uh, an understanding of the procedure, the deadlines, that would be helpful for, for litigation purposes in family law. Uh, can you give us an idea of what it actually costs? I mean, what, what, what is the range of, uh, uh, of hourly fees that lawyers, family lawyers charge? Uh, and uh, what do paralegals charge? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what paralegals would charge for you know, family law purposes. I know under this mandate, they would have to get extra training. So I don't know if that would be built into their fees. For Ontario, uh, the the fees vary greatly from city to city. And, and generally what we see in Toronto, which is where I mostly practice, is anywhere between $275 an hour up to, you know, $1,000 an hour. Those are more, much more rare, but they do occur. And is there such a thing uh, as uh, an average amount of time that it takes to settle a divorce? Uh, no, I wouldn't say there's an average amount of time that set to settle a divorce. I do think that if all you know the standard middle class issues are on the table, such as you know equalization of net family property, child support, spousal support, parenting time, decision making and it can't settle before a trial, that trial could be five to ten days. And I think it's not, it would not be out of the realm of possibility that each party would pay about $100,000 each wow. uh, for that. So a very expensive process, no question about it. Uh, so it's, it's better if, if people agree. What about mediation for divorce? Uh, there are mediation services, certainly, and through, again, I speak just from my experience in Toronto, there are either free or geared-to-income mediation services through the Toronto Courthouse at 361, I believe also at uh, um, 311 Jarvis as well. In most of our cases, 
and I speak generally about family law in, in Ontario, I feel confident saying this, don't go to a trial and aren't even litigated. And so that number of $100,000 are usually is really the outlier. Most of them either are either negotiated directly between the parties and their lawyers or through a mediation service. Right. So they would be some, something less than that. Correct. Correct. Um, where do you see this going? I mean, there there are uh, obviously some paralegals think that this is a start and they will get more uh, an expanded scope of practice. And in other areas, we're seeing, I mean, in healthcare, for instance, we're seeing pharmacists get a, an expanded uh, scope of practice to take, well, to take pressure off doctors. So where do you see this going? Well, where do I see it going versus where I hope it goes are, are two uh, different um, answers. Where I hope it goes, I think we're getting to a critical point where uh, both the provincial and the federal government have to recognize the amount of funding that they prioritize for the family justice system is just inadequate for the families and it is uh, destructive. And I hope that there's enough pressure uh, you know, on those in charge to, to provide the funding to prioritize uh, family and the family justice system and to expand legal aid funding and, and, and more appointments of family trained judges. Where I think it's going, uh, you know, I, you know, obviously paralegals will be able to do these uh, limited tasks. And if it is successful and it's helpful, then I, I suppose they'll probably ask for an expansion um, and, I guess we'll see where that goes. Hmm. Anything else you'd like to leave us with on this? No, I guess the last thing I would say, and we as family lawyers deal with it quite often, is that there's, uh, I think, an idea that because we deal with uh, normal people's everyday lives, that somehow family law is uh, less complex or more intuitive. And I think that's just wrong. And I think watering it down could have very significant uh, negative implications for families. So that's where I would end. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that, David Tobin, a lawyer with Frankel Tobin. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay. That is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.